0: Welcome, you're listening to the Beaver Dam Baptist Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. If you would like more information about Beaver Dam Baptist Church or have questions about today's message, please visit us on the internet at www.bdbc.org. Well, it is good to see you. We did not know really what to expect when we uh, made this transition. And so uh, I think you have uh, exceeded my expectations, though I'm admitting I I didn't know what they were. So uh, it is good to have people back in the sanctuary. We have been, uh, as you know, videoing this for the last two months. We've been gathering on Thursday nights at five o'clock, and there's just uh, six or eight of us in here. And we've been blessed to have Robert Garcia and his wife and daughter helping us. He's back here uh, in the sound booth filming even now. He, uh, yeah, thank you they just joined the church just months ago. And then when this happened, he came to us immediately and said, uh, you know, I I do this uh, for the boating industry as as a side job slash hobby and I would be willing to do it for you guys. And we said, great. And so he's been giving his time every Thursday evening and then beyond that to edit the video. I mean, I didn't need any editing, but Aaron, bunch of editing for Aaron, but me, I got it right the first time. And We just put it up, but uh, we are grateful for his work over these months. He's going to keep doing it for a few months for those who don't feel comfortable yet joining us, but we're glad you're here. Now, a couple of uh, weeks ago, maybe last week, I shared with you something that troubled some of you. That is, I told you that Tracy gave me some sermon advice that I did not follow, (laughs) And so some of you reached out to me and asked how I managed to to get along with her after that and how mad was she, all that kind of stuff. So to make up for that, this week I went to her and I said, I need some help with the sermon this week and I am going to follow what you advise. And so I said, do you think I should continue with my series in 1 John or since it's Mother's Day, preach a Mother's Day sermon? She said she wanted a Mother's Day sermon, so that's what you're getting today. So we're going to take a brief break from 1 John, and we're going to go to a very familiar passage of Scripture, a passage of Scripture that most every lady knows, and many of us do as well, and that is the Proverbs 31 passage that speaks about a godly mom or a godly uh, woman. And so that is going to be our text today as we think about moms, Now, one thing that we hear annually when it comes to this particular holiday, there's always surveys about what moms really want for Mother's Day. And invariably, one of the things they say they want is more time with their children, more time with their family. I mean, in this fast-paced world in which we live, we are always going somewhere and always doing something And it seems like in the blink of an eye, we go from raising little ones to watching them go off and leave the home. And so moms are always expressing that desire to have more time together. Well, you got what you wanted. And then some, probably. I mean, who would have ever thought we would have all of this time together? And on the one hand, it's okay to admit that there have been some good things that come out of this pandemic. That is not to negate the negatives. I realize there's been tremendous physical and financial suffering while at the same time, there's been some good things. Good things like extra time at home with the family, slowing down in life just a little bit, actually eating around the kitchen table, a meal prepared in the home something many of us had uh, long forgotten about. And my concern is that when we go back to normal, whenever that is, when we get the green light that everything's to go, I think we're going to forget about these benefits and go right back to the way we lived before. I think right now we would say we intend to keep some of those benefits when life gets back to normal, but I'm afraid we really won't do that. Now, there might be a few moms here this morning who are willing to admit that too much of a good thing, well, is not really a good thing. You know, there might be a few moms here that are ready to send your children to any camp or any school that will dare open in the coming weeks because you've had enough of them being around the house. That does not make you a bad mom. We all get to that point at one time or another. Now, obviously, and this is no shock to anyone, I am not an expert on motherhood, so I will confine my comments as best I can to what the scripture says, particularly here in Proverbs 31, as we think about what a godly mom is all about. Now, I realize an inherent problem in doing a sermon like this, and that is why every year on these various holidays, I I struggle with whether to continue my series or branch out into a more topical sermon for the day. The inherent problem is not all of us are moms. And therefore, I readily acknowledge that some of you, when hearing I'm preaching on motherhood, might just tune me out as if this does not apply to you. But most of us still do have moms who are living. So we have a part to play in helping our mom become a godly mom no matter what age of a child we happen to be. Others may protest, as Scott mentioned earlier, that you did not have a godly mom growing up. And frankly, coming to church on Mother's Day has always been difficult for you because you hear everybody else praising their godly mom and you did not have that heritage. But the fact of the matter is you are here. And so you are starting a new heritage. Of course, there are others who are not moms, women who are not moms, either one day you desire to be or you have no desire for motherhood. If that is your situation, I want to encourage you to think about this as godly women. That is, every time you hear me say the word mom, you can just substitute the word women or woman in there, and this will apply to you as well. These characteristics that we're going to notice are not just for a mom. In fact, that's where the rest of us come in. You see, these characteristics are characteristics that, in many cases, all of us should have. And certainly, we're going to see, as men, that we have a part to play in helping moms or our wives become the godly women that God desires for them to be. We have a huge role to play in that, and so the bottom line is all of us have some applicable truths that we can learn this morning. You young men, you have a desire to be married. You're going to see that this text is really a text in large measure about the kind of woman that you should pursue and ultimately strive to marry. In fact, there are some scholars that believe this text was not initially written to women. That is, not not written to women as in, be like this. But many believe that this was actually written to men to say this is the kind of woman or wife you need to find. That's why in verse 10, it says an excellent wife who can find. And so there is application here for all of us on this Mother's Day from Proverbs 31. We're going to start in verse 25. Proverbs 31, verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing. And she laughs at the time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom, and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue. She looks well to the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her works praise her in the gates. Now again, you recognize that I've jumped into the middle of this. I did not read all of this section. It really begins in verse 10 and goes down through verse 31. So there is much more that we could talk about. But I don't want to overwhelm our moms here this morning. And so I've jumped in at verse 25. There are several literary techniques that are in effect here. If you go back to verse 1, you will see that these are the words of King Lemuel. Now notice what it says right after that. An oracle that his mother taught him. So here is the evidence already of a godly woman... Who taught her son these truths, and he has written them down for us. The whole section, verses 10 through 31, is a literary technique whereby it rises to a uh, climax and then descends back in, in parallel ways. That is, the first half rises, and then the second half basically repeats. And because of that, verse 23 is the climax here of these verses. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. And we'll talk more about that in just a few moments. There's also a a literary technique here for memorization. You don't see it, but it's there. And that is every verse begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet, in succession through the Hebrew alphabet. Obviously that doesn't come across In our English. Now it's interesting to me that the book of Proverbs begins with wisdom. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline. In fact, I'm going to do a sermon series, I think, on wisdom. I've already told you I'm looking at doing one on the Holy Spirit. I'm also looking at doing one on wisdom. How do we attain wisdom? How do we uh, apply wisdom? And I intend to do both of these series in the near future. But in Proverbs, in the early stages of the book, there is this contrast, this theme of the wise man who does not fall prey to the temptations of an ungodly woman. So there is this contrast between danger and destruction on the one hand that is going down the wrong path, and on the other hand, finding the right kind of woman and therefore being blessed. Chapters 5 through 7, each focus on the theme of being wise so that we do not fall prey to temptation. And then the book ends with this chapter, the pursuit of a godly woman. And so there is a choice before us. And that choice is, do we fall prey to an ungodly woman or do we pursue a godly woman? That is why it's important for us to know what to look for, and for you ladies, to know what kind of woman that God desires for you to be. And so today we are talking about not just godly women, but more specifically, godly moms. Now, the Oxford Dictionary, this is going to astound you, defines a mother as a woman who has born a child. Okay, you got that definition? That's pretty simple, right? A mother is a woman who is born a child. But there is certainly more, way more to motherhood than that. I mean, that's like saying because I have a piano in my living room, that I'm a musician. I took piano growing up. My parents forced me to take piano growing up. I didn't like taking piano, but I did it for several years. I am not a musician, not then and not now. So just because I have an instrument doesn't mean I can play it. Just because you have a child doesn't necessarily mean that you are a godly mom. So what do you need? Well, number one, godly moms have character. Look at verse 25. Strength and dignity are her clothing. So if you want to be a godly mom, there has to be some inward character that actually matters more than the outward clothing. We live in a society, as you well know places a lot of emphasis and even pressure on women looking beautiful on the outside. And we men are certainly a driving force in this. Now, I'm not saying that we go to the opposite extreme. I'm not saying you forget about outward beauty and join the rest in going to Walmart in your pajamas and curlers. That is not my point. My point is simply that outward beauty is not the primary characteristic Certainly of a godly woman, because there is an inward quality, an inward character that is far more important. Look at verse 30. In verse 30, it says, Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. Some translations use the word fleeting. That is, we know that outward beauty is not going to last. We know that wrinkles are going to appear, that waistlines are going to expand, especially when we're stuck at home. And so outward beauty has a tendency in all of us to fade away. And that is why it should not be our focus. Peter writes this, Your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as braided hair and the wearing of gold jewelry and fine clothes. Instead, it should be that of the inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth, in God's sight. Now, Peter does not mean to say there, as some wrongly interpret, that you cannot wear jewelry nor braid your hair. He's making a comparison. And that comparison is that outward things like these are not primarily what a woman or a man should be concerned about in a woman. Because these are not what ultimately matter. So the question then becomes... As a woman, are you striving to please society or a man or men in general by the way you look? Or are you trying to develop that inward quality, that characteristic of strength and dignity that God says is important for any godly mom to have? Charm and beauty are not bad, but they are inadequate for genuine character before God. Now, secondly, we notice in verse 25, the second half, that godly moms have a positive attitude. She laughs at the time to come. Some translations say she smiles at the future. That does not imply a lack of concern for the future, it's the exact opposite. She has a a positive attitude toward the future because, in part, she is planning for that future. She can smile. Because she knows not what everything's going to happen in the future. Nobody knows that. But she knows she is planning and preparing for that. And of course, we understand that a godly mom has a faithful trust in God for her future. And because of that, nothing brings her worry or anxiety, even in uncertain times. Because she is trusting in God for her future... However, that does not negate work and planning that must take place in order to adequately prepare for a family's future. So much of this chapter, I mean, if you go home and read the rest of this chapter, you will discover her diligence in working to provide. She buys and sells, she produces products, she cooks for her family. This diligence is what gives her a reason to smile in the future. And surely there is one thing among many that we've learned during our current circumstances, and that is while we may not know what is ahead of us, we do need to plan for it. In other words, those who had planned for a rainy day, as we call it sometimes, those who had put aside some finances for uncertainty in the future, were able to dip into those finances, and therefore they did not suffer as much as those who did not have anything to dip in. So those who did not plan, those who were living paycheck to paycheck and did not have anything else laid aside, suffered more seriously during this time and continue to do so because in some measure they had not planned and prepared for the unknown. This woman is is an example of someone who is not only preparing for today, but is preparing for her future as well. And that is not a lack of trust in God. That is wise and biblical. And that is why she has a positive attitude. And I find that most moms have a more positive attitude than most dads. I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's inherent in motherhood. I don't know if it's uh, some of our personality or nature. In fact, sometimes we say, well, it's just my personality to be negative as if it cannot change. But the fact is all of us can change our attitude if we change the way we think. Now, of course, I'm not talking about being unrealistic. I'm not talking about having dreams that have no possibility of coming to fruition. I'm simply talking about a woman here who has a positive attitude and that is why she's creating a home life that people want to come to. I mean, what home does not need more positive attitude and environment in it? Number three, verse 26, godly moms teach wisdom. They have to teach to others the wisdom that they have from God. They teach their family and they teach their children. It certainly makes sense that if a woman is wise in the ways of God, that she would want to transfer this to her children. Now, certainly there is much knowledge and wisdom that a mother has to teach. There are the the basic things like walking and talking, There are the basic skills, uh, subjects in life. And some of you have learned this more during this time where where you've become a homeschool mom, though you never really wanted to be one. And so you're having to teach those basic subjects, maybe even having to relearn them yourself so that you can impart them to your children. But this is not the kind of things I'm talking about. I'm not talking about principles for raising a, a good member of society. I'm talking about godly wisdom. So a godly mom teaches her children what it means to be godly. You know, we say this occasionally, but we're learning it during this time. The vast majority of a child's spiritual training does not come from church. It comes from the home. We've told you that all along. Now, that doesn't mean that, that we don't want you to bring your children to the events we have whenever they start back. Events like Sunday school or Awana or Vacation Bible School. We hope you've been missing those kinds of things. And one day we can have them again. But this is a good reminder during this time that it's always been the family's primary responsibility to train their children in godly wisdom. Yes, the church comes alongside and helps you, resources you, and supports you in doing that. But ultimately, it is the responsibility of moms and dads to train their children spiritually. And hopefully you've been doing that, not just in this time, but throughout. We see an example of this in the book of 2 Timothy. You remember Paul is writing to young Timothy, and he is acknowledging Timothy's faith. But what does he say about that faith? He says, Timothy, I see the faith that you have in God. But where did that faith come from? He says, well, Timothy, I first found it in your grandmother, Lois, and then I saw it in your mother, Eunice, and now Paul is rejoicing that it is found in Timothy as well. We talk a lot about the great men in the Bible, men like Paul and Timothy, and all that they did in the early stages of the church in proclaiming the gospel and planting churches. But let us not forget that these men in large measure were the way they were because they had godly women in their lives who had trained them from the home. And that's true of Paul as well. Paul was raised in in a devout Jewish family. Ladies and men, the greatest thing that we can do for our children is to guide them and train them spiritually. We work so hard to make sure that they have the financial advantages that they need so that they can have maybe what we didn't have growing up and not have to struggle as much as maybe we did. We want them to have a a better leg up in life than what we had. We go out of our way to make sure that they can go to any and all extracurricular activities to encourage them and strengthen them and broaden their horizons. We will sacrifice and sacrifice to make those things possible. And all I'm saying is the spiritual training of your children is more important than a financial heritage or even an extracurricular activity. That is why we must make sure that our primary motivation in the home is training godly boys and girls who can leave our homes and continue their relationship with Christ once they are gone. I did a graveside service this week for one of our oldest men, Mr. Jim Rogers. He was 94 years old. Now, when I do a service, I like to make it as personal as possible. And the way I do that is is two different ways. Number one, I usually know some things about the people. And so I will share some of my own stories uh, of encounters with the individual that has passed away. But more so than that, I will ask the family. I will say, what, what can you tell me about this person? Tell me some stories. What do they like? What, what kind of things do they enjoy? So that I can share those at the funeral uh, and get a sense of, of who this person was. Well, one of the things the family gave me this past week in preparing for Jim Rogers' funeral was an entry... That was recorded in his uh, diary. He liked to to write, didn't talk much, but he liked to write. And so he wrote in in a ledger, in a diary. And I don't know when he wrote this, but he wrote it concerning his salvation, which took place on June 2nd, 1935. And so he's remembering back to a revival service as a young man. And he says that on that day, he received the greatest gift that he could ever receive and how thankful he was for that saving moment. But here's the part I want you to hear. This is why I'm bringing it up. He wrote in that entry, my mother helped prepare me over the years with her Bible teaching. He gave his mom the credit for training him so that in that revival service he was ready to respond to the claims of christ and find salvation because mom had taught him the bible in the home now again i don't know when he wrote that but here is a mom whose spiritual legacy goes well beyond 1935 and her son who died in the year 2020 is still thinking about and writing about his mother's spiritual legacy. Moms and dads, we need to make sure that our spiritual legacy goes beyond our own life and it is invested into our children. Well, the next thing I want you to see is in verse 27. And I want you to hear me clearly here because I don't want to be criticized. Godly moms manage the home. Now, I am not saying that's all they do. I am not saying it's solely their responsibility and dad doesn't have to do anything. I am simply saying as part of their responsibility, there is the management of the home. My wife has been trying to get me more involved in this. She wants me to learn how to cook. She keeps saying that'd be a good thing for you to do during this pandemic is learn how to cook. At that same funeral I was at this week, there was three men standing around and me All of them were the primary cooks in their home, except me. But I'm still not going to learn that. There's nothing wrong with a man cooking. There's nothing wrong with a woman cooking. Godly moms manage the home. Now, again, that doesn't mean that's all they do. But it does mean that it is a lot of work to manage a home, and therefore, it's a necessity. doesn't mean that they can't work outside the home and have a long and productive career. I'm not saying that they do this alone. After all, there are other responsibilities for all of us. When I do premarital counseling, I talk to the couple about who's going to do what at home. And so I ask them, are both of you going to work outside the home? And if both of you are going to work outside the home, how are you going to share the responsibilities inside the home? So I'm not trying to go back to, to old days where a man didn't do anything. And I remember those days because my grandparents taught me that. When I would be at my grandparents' home, my grandfather would do almost nothing. And when we would be sitting at the table, he would sometimes say to my grandmother, mother, would you get up and fill my glass of tea? He wouldn't get up from the table to refill his glass. And sometimes he would even add, after all, you're, you're closer to the kitchen than I am. Now that was true, but it was a mere a couple feet. They were both close to the kitchen. It was just that he was raised in a day when he didn't do anything. The woman did it all. So I'm not trying to go back to that. Hear me good. I'm not encouraging that. I'm simply saying there's a joint role here in the home. Moms have little ones to care for, and they know how much it takes to care for them. There's always someone wanting attention. Always someone grabbing for their time and energy. And dads know this as well. If you ever take a Saturday afternoon subbing in for your wife and caring for the kids, you discover that she does a lot more than you might have thought. Managing a household is not for the lazy or idle. Look at verse 15. I realize we didn't read this verse, but look back at verse 15. She rises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maiden. She is not sleeping late because there is nothing to do. She is rising early because there is much to do. In fact, again, if you'll go home and read verses 10 through 31, you will be exhausted just thinking about how much this woman does both inside the home and without. Tracy and I often finish our day by watching various sitcoms on television. And one of those we like to watch is uh, Everybody Loves Raymond. You ever watch that one? Well, in one particular episode, Uh, Deborah, the wife, has discovered that Raymond has lost a considerable bit of money in an investment that he did not consult her on. He did not tell her he was going to make this particular investment. And so they are in an argument. And he says to her something like, I didn't know I had to tell you every investment I make. Uh, After all, I'm the one that makes the money because Deborah's a stay-at-home mom. I'm the one that makes the money. What do you contribute to this household? Now if you've ever watched the show, you know that brother uh, Robert is standing to the side and he is amused by all of this because he knows this fight is about to escalate. So Deborah goes on strike. I'm not encouraging this. I'm simply recounting a story from a television show. But Deborah decides she's going on strike and she is only going to resume her household duties if she is compensated as hired help. And so Raymond agrees to do that. The next day, she presents him with an estimated bill that is three pages long of everything that she does and how much it's worth. And when he goes down to the bottom and sees the total, he says, why, that's more than I make. And he gets the point. It's a family show, so they kiss and make up and move on. But Raymond, although I don't know where he stands biblically, he has learned what this verse and passage is talking about. Verse 10. She is far more precious than jewels. Godly moms next need encouragement. I mean, this is a lot. And so if they're going to do all of this and do it well, they need encouragement, verses 28 and 29. And they need it both from their children and their husbands. Godly women long for the day when their children are following the Lord. Like John, who said about his spiritual children, I have no greater joy than to know that my children walk in truth. This is the the desire of a godly mom, sacrificing constantly so that one day her children will rise up and call her blessed and follow in her footsteps. But of course, we are aware that this does not always happen there are children who are raised by godly parents who discard the truth that they've been taught and walk away from the faith. That does happen and I am not promising you that if you're a godly mom, you will have godly children. I know you wanna go to that other proverb, train up a child in the way he should go and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And many claim that as an absolute promise but you need to understand what a proverb is. A proverb is not a promise. A proverb is a general truth, which means there are exceptions. So I'm not promising you that if you're a godly mom, you will have godly children. I think that's the general rule, but I think there can be and are exceptions to it. But kids of any age need to rise up and call their godly moms blessed and thank them for what they have done. That might be a more important role for you today than how much you spent on her present or what you gave her. To just give her a heartfelt thank you for all you've done in being my mother. But there's a second part to this as well. Her husband needs to give her this encouragement. Her husband needs to praise her. Guys, it is much easier, and I'm guilty of this, and I'm sure you are as well. But it is much easier to criticize our wives, either privately or publicly, than it is to encourage her. And what we need to be reminded of is we need to give her that encouragement, that praise, again, both private and public, because she needs that in order to fulfill her role as a godly mom. The job description of a, of a woman here in Proverbs 31 can be overwhelming, but it ought not to be underappreciated. We ought to thank them for what they do. Well, let me move, move on to the last point. And that is something we've been hinting at all along, but it needs to be stated. Godly moms fear the Lord. Verse 30, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. The woman who fears the Lord is the one who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, and follows the Lord. And that is her greatest priority. Greater even, hear me, greater even than her children or her husband is her desire to follow the Lord. Now, next week, when we return to 1 John, we are going to hear John say, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. So why are we now saying that a godly mom needs to have some fear? She needs to fear the Lord. And then next week, we're going to see John say, well, if you have love, you shouldn't have fear. Well, for one, it's, it's simple. It says it very clearly right here. The woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs begins... With the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. And several chapters later, it makes the same statement, though it changes the word knowledge to wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So there is a great sense in which there is a reason why we have no fear, that is because we trust God. But there is a reason that we do have fear, because we know God. A healthy fear of the Lord is essential. And we'll talk more about that in our series on wisdom. The bottom line is this. You cannot be a godly mom without prioritizing your relationship with the Lord. So that begins with having a relationship. Obviously, you cannot prioritize that which you do not have. So it begins with having a relationship with the Lord by repenting of your sins and trusting in Christ. We are not going to have a traditional invitation as we usually do. But that does not mean that you cannot respond. It does not mean that you can't make a decision. You can do that right there in your seat. You can do that in your home this afternoon. You can call or email us and let us know. Because we're not delaying our decisions for Christ. So if what you've heard this morning, you say, well, I'm not a godly mom you can become one. I didn't have a godly legacy. You can start one. And that applies whether you're a mom or a dad or a son or a daughter. You can have the kind of relationship with the Lord that will set the stage for your family for years to come. If you will prioritize your relationship with Christ. Let me pray. Father, we do thank you that we were able to regather this morning and thank you for these who have come and others who are are going to listen to this and watch this later today. And I do pray that your word would encourage the moms here today. I pray that it's not a burden to them and I certainly pray that we men would not, not look at this passage of Scripture and go home and tell them where they fall short. But instead, we would understand that our success in life is due in large measure to the women we have in our lives. And that we would rise up and call her blessed. That we would rise up and praise her. Not just because somebody's declared this to be Mother's Day, but because that's what the Word of God tells us to do. I thank you again for the godly moms that, that are here, I thank you for the the work they do in, in their homes and without. I thank you for the sacrifices they make for their children. And I do pray for children of all ages, some who are less than a year old, new additions to our body, others who are on the verge of leaving the home, having to decide whether or not they are going to continue in the faith. I pray, Lord, that you would help these boys and girls, young men and young women, to rise up and call their moms blessed and praise her for all she's done. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.